0: Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's go Blow one. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Wednesday, July 15th edition of Locked on Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and we are going to continue forging our way through the ultimate AFC East crossover series with our friends at Locked on Bills, Locked on Patriots, and Locked on Jets. Today's focus is on the GD Jets. And while we'll always carry gangrene with a special place in our heart, filled mostly with hate, uh, today is a very engaging and interesting discussion into the New York Jets uh, because the Dolphins and Dolphins fans have lived a lot of what the Jets are currently going through with head coach Adam Gase at the helm. So without further ado, we're going to pass things over to the crossover series focused today on the New York Jets.
1: Crossover week for the AFC East continues here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am John Butchko, the host of Locked On Jets, joined by Mike Debate, the host of Locked On Patriots, Joe Marino, the host of Locked On Bills, and Kyle Krabs, the host of Locked On Dolphins. And we've reached the point in the week where we are going to talk about the New York Jets, who finished seven and nine last season. And the twenty nineteen campaign was really a tale of two seasons for the Jets. They started the year one and seven. Capped, And the first half of the season was capped by a loss to the then-winless Miami Dolphins. The Jets then bounced back and won six of their last eight games. Now, that did include a loss to the then-winless Cincinnati Bengals, but the Jets were able to at least avoid an embarrassing 3-13 and type season. And then this offseason, the new general manager, Joe Douglas, went to work overhauling the roster. The Jets were active in free agency, although not as active... Active in a different way than they've been in past years because the Jets had, under their former general manager, Mike McCagnin, been a team that set the market, giving out big money deals to big names. Joe Douglas took a more cautious approach. Lots of one-year contracts, moderate deals on guys who they felt had upside. And then in the draft, the Jets invested early in the offensive line, taking Makai Becton. And then in the second round, they went... To wide receiver taking Denzel Mims out of Baylor and we're going to get the perspective of some of the hosts across the AFC East today on uh, where the Jets line up in this division. So I'm going to start with Mike the host of Locked On Patriots. Mike good to talk to you today.
2: Oh always a pleasure John. Thank you so much for coordinating today and looking forward to talking a little New York Jets.
1: Now Mike a little bit earlier in the week we did our show on the Patriots, and you mentioned that there was probably no team that saw more drastic changes this offseason than the New England Patriots because they lost, in my opinion, not just one, but two legends. They lost Tom Brady, of course, a guy who very much in the discussion for the greatest quarterback of all time. But another key loss that I thought, w- that I thought could have big implications for this team is Dante Skarnecchia, the legendary offensive line coach. And I don't say that lightly when I talk about an assistant coach. I don't think that there are many assistant coaches that make a big difference in this league. But Dante Skarniecki was as good of a coach as there was in the NFL. So new quarterback in Cam Newton. There were also some other losses, some other additions. This kind of feels like an offseason like any other in New England because for 19 years you had the same coach and quarterback unprecedented stability at the two most important spots for an NFL team so Mike I want your opinion on what do you think the Pat- realistically the Patriots ceiling is what their floor is for this season and how confident you are heading into 2020.
2: Great questions all the way around. And I'm so glad, John, that you mentioned Dante Scarnecchia because, believe it or not, we've actually been able to make it through the first two days of crossover week without mentioning Dante's name, and it definitely deserves to be mentioned, and it is a key loss. Look, he has been a stalwart of the Patriots dynasty for a number of years now, predates Brady, predates Belichick, going back to the earlier days of the Robert Kraft ownership and even before that. Dante, to me, is one of those guys, those indelible coaches on a staff that he may wear the assistant name moniker, but he's the guy that is able to keep this team together. The way, the job that he's done with coaching the offensive line has been amazing. Now the Patriots did have a situation where he had retired years ago, uh, came in, Dave Duguielmo came in, did an adequate job, actually brought that team to a Super Bowl, but the offensive line just never quite regained the same type of savvy, the same type of intelligence, and being in the right place at the right time as they did under Dante Scarnecchia. That will be a loss that the Patriots have to contend with this year. And one of the reasons why I say, and I've received some backlash and uh, Joe, you received a little backlash on this yesterday as well from Patriots fans, is that I believe that the Patriots ceiling technically is the AFC uh, East crown in uh, 2020. But I also believe that it's probably a little more realistic to believe that they could end up surrendering that title this year for the first time in a long while, simply because continuity, I think, is on the side of the Buffalo Bills. And yes, I mean, they do have new faces in new places, obviously, Stefan Diggs. But there is a greater amount of continuity, even in the coaching staff, than there is in New England right now. Obviously, all eyes are going to be on Cam Newton. How is he going to come in and be able to change the complexity of this Patriots offense who had Tom Brady run it in an Earhart Perkins offense that, to me, was one of the greatest of all time at doing what he does? Cam Newton is capable of running that system. I think a lot of people forget that. They tend to lose a lot of... What Cam can do in the passing game in his mobility, his ability to tuck and run, things that Patriots fans have not seen their quarterback do in quite some time. And I say that with all deference to Tom Brady, who I still believe to be the greatest to ever play the position. But Cam brings another dimension. All of a sudden now the Patriots have the ability to incorporate the RPOs that we talked about a little bit earlier this week. Cam has the ability to make reads down the field. He can step up. He can take his time stepping into throws, but he can also be able to make a decision on a dime Tuck the ball and run when there's nothing else available Patriots have not had that So that's a new dimension uh, I look for And to a certain extent Bill Belichick To broaden the Patriots' uh, um, a playbook and be able to, you know, incorporate those elements into their offense. Now on defense, they've suffered some losses as well. And we've talked about this and we will talk probably a little bit more about guys like Kyle Van Noy and Landon Roberts. Uh, when Kyle takes the microphone and talks to us about the Miami Dolphins, those are two key additions for the Dolphins. Those are two pretty, pretty big key losses for the Patriots uh, because that swarming linebacker um, defense that we saw from them last year in the three, four set is really one of the big reasons why the Patriots were where they were and in the thick of a playoff run without that defense I think the Patriots would have fared a lot different we saw that in the game against the Jets last year obviously the infamous Sam Donald seeing ghost game You know, don't forget Sam was only a second game back from Mono so that's a tough task uh, for a defense a Bill Belichick coach defense that had so many athletic linebackers like Van Noy like Collins they were essentially swarming him all around linebackers pass rushers were getting in his face Uh, the secondary played very well that game I think McCourty Harmon Gilmore and Terrence Brooks all had interceptions on Sam he lost the ball for the fumble so there were a lot of things that went wrong it was because the Patriots defense was so good and so tight at being able to make those reads this year they're going to have some new faces Josh Uche all of a sudden becomes a much more um, you know prominent member of this defense as a rookie it's a lot to put on a young guy's shoulders I think he can handle the load but ultimately he's going to have to show it on the field you got guys like Chase Winovich that need to step up. I believe he will do it, but the Patriots have not had traditional um, prolific pass rushers at the defensive end position. It's going to be a big year for a guy like Dietrich Wise, who I think is on the roster bubble and in danger of maybe not making the final roster this year in New England. So, in terms of my long-winded response to your question, I believe their ceiling is the AFC East title. I believe the second place is a likely destination for them. Uh, I believe their floor is probably third in this division. I don't see them dropping any lower than that simply because they still have a great amount of talent on both sides of the ball at the end of the day they still have bill belichick at the helm so that's my prognostication on the patriots but uh i think they're looking at two tough matchups against the jets this year because those are always barn burner games whenever these two teams take the field
1: thanks mike great answer uh now let's turn to the buffalo bills joe marino host of locked on bills joe great to talk to you today
3: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this, John, and um, you know, again, it's always fun to talk Bills, Jets, and and think about, you know, Darnold and Allen entering in in that same draft class.
1: Absolutely, and on yesterday's show, Joe led us through talk about the Buffalo Bills, and he asked me a question about Sam Darnold, so now I'm going to turn the tables on Joe, (laughs) and obviously, you know, Jets and Bills are kind of linked because they they both have quarterbacks who were drafted in 2018, entering their third year, so let's talk about Josh Allen, and Joe, you can correct me if I'm wrong. My perception of the Bills through Allen's first two years, especially last year, was they were not necessarily a quarterback-centric team. And that's not to say quarterback play did not matter, but they were not relying on him the way maybe like a New England was relying on Tom Brady to carry the load. And... I'm interested in your view on how much you think will fall to Allen this year and how confident Bills fans should be that he can take the next step.
3: Well, John, I think the most encouraging thing about believing that Josh Allen can take the next step is looking back at the steps that he has taken to this point. And I've encouraged listeners of Locked On Bills to go back and watch Josh, Josh Allen at Wyoming and see the player that he was in college and, contrast that to the player that you saw uh, last year. And and I think Josh has shown many places in his career so far that he has grown. Whether you think about the player he was at Wyoming to the quarterback, we saw early in his rookie season to the player that we saw after he came back from injury as a rookie to the player we saw early in 2019 to the player we saw at the end of 2019. I think there's been points where I can, I can point to and say, those were steps. Those were major steps forward. And so the best thing I can tell you about believing that Josh Allen and that he will grow and and take another step forward in 2020 is that he, he has proven that he can develop. And, you know, I I think it's one of those things where you, you point to this bill's team and I don't think that they necessarily at this point win because of Josh Allen, right? It's, it's about the defense. I think it's a well-coached football team that that situationally plays pretty well, but at the same time, since joining the NFL in 2018, Josh Allen is in the top four when it comes to leading game-winning drives. In front of him, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. Then it's Josh Allen, who's led eight game-winning drives in 24 starts that he has started the game and completed. He had two that he didn't uh, complete due to injury, and then, of course, the Jets game in Week 17, where he started out the game and then he rested the rest of the way as the Bills Uh, could no longer be impacted in the playoff standings. And so there are moments where Josh Allen has come through in the clutch at at a significantly high rate. And so that is very encouraging that in those key moments that Josh does rise to the occasion. And, you know, I, I think when you when you consider Josh and his impact on the football team, obviously he brings some difficult elements to defend in terms of his physical talent but he's absolutely the leader of the football team. The the entire locker room respects him. The coaching staff speaks and raves about his leadership. And you, you, you hear things that he does that scream franchise quarterback, whether it's calling draft picks right after they're selected or, you know, engaging with free agent acquisitions and organizing throwing sessions. And uh, you know, just the way that his teammates talk about him, where you hear guys like Cole Beasley saying, I want to go to war with Josh Allen. I want him in my foxhole. I mean, Everybody loves this guy and uh, and they're behind this guy. And I think that he's well supported. And I think that the bills have done very well uh, over the landscape of his time since he entered the league in terms of building around him. And And we talk about him going into year three and we, we the bills need him to take this next step. And they've made it a very uh, they made it a comfortable situation for him to do that. And we, we contrast that to Sam McDonald. It's very different. But Josh enters year three with the same offensive coordinator in Brian Dable. The entire offensive coaching staff returns from 2018 to 2019. The entire top nine offensive linemen that the Bills had last year, they're all back. The entire tight end room is the same. The entire running back situation is virtually the same, except for you take Frank Gore out and you add Zach Moss in. Plus, John Brown Cole Beasley are back in their roles with Stephon Diggs now added to this equation. So you can't help but feel really good about the infrastructure around Josh Allen and the fact that he's supported by a great defense. And so that need to do, he doesn't have to do that much because he, he, he can rely on a stable cast around him on offense. And then of course, relying on, on, on a very good defense. And so I think it's all right there for Josh Allen. It's it's kind of like a, a no excuse year in my mind, in terms of what Brandon Bean has built around him. And, and obviously, uh, the hope is that he continues to grow and develop just like he has since he's uh, entered the NFL.
1: Thanks so much for that answer, Joe. Great answer. And now we move on to Kyle Krabs, the host of Locked On Dolphins and the newest member of our Locked On AFC East family. Kyle, great to talk to you today. Yeah,
0: this is uh, this should be fun, even though we're rubbing elbows with some, some teams that we don't necessarily get along with in the fall. It's still the summertime, so exple- e- extending pleasantries is a nice kind of olive branch for everybody here in the East.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I asked Mike a question about the Patriots and I asked Joe a question about the Bills, but I just can't help myself talking to the host of Locked On Dolphins. I have to ask about Adam Gase. Um, He, of course, spent three years with the Dolphins as their head coach, was fired after the 2018 season. The Jets brought him in in 2019, and I will tell you, he, I'll tell you, Kyle, he was a very unpopular hire in this fan base. People looked at the job he did in Miami, and they questioned whether this was the right hire for the team, whether it was the right hire to develop Sam Darnold. And through his first year, going seven and nine, even with a strong second half performance, there are still a lot of questions in this Jets fan base about Adam Gase. You know, you've seen him from up close, you've seen him from afar. Give us your breakdown on Adam Gase. Have you seen him get better since that first year in Miami? Do you think Jets fans should be confident in Gase? And I will tell you this, don't feel like you're offending Jets fans if you have negative things to say, because I'll tell you, I'm locked on Jets. I frequently am pretty critical of uh, the job Gase is doing.
0: Well, and in that case, the saying, uh, great minds think alike, really is true after all, uh, John, because I think about, uh, there's a quote that was attributed to Bum Phillips, and it was in regards to an, another Miami Dolphins head coach, uh, Don Shula. And it said, Don Shula can take his in and beat Ewan, and then he can take Ewan and beat his in. And, and I think about Adam Gase as a head coach, and I think the exact opposite of that is what is most applicable to describe Adam Gase as far as he is so steadfast in in believing that the way he thinks it should be done is the right way to do it. And he doesn't take into consideration putting players in the best position to be successful. There is a laundry list of names uh, from his time in Miami that he was so eager to shuttle out the door because either they weren't buying in on what he was asking them to do on the field, or he was buttonheads heads with him, or they didn't like the game plans and they gave him feedback and he just didn't want to deal with it. You know, the Jarvis Landry, it, it was the most high-profile one they put him on the franchise tag. They end up trading him to a, for a fourth and a seventh. And then after that happened, Landry came out and said, yeah, Gase used to threaten guys in the Dolphins' locker room that he was going to trade him to, to Cleveland to be in purgatory if they didn't buy in on what he was doing. And lo and behold, that's where he traded Jarvis. Jarvis suddenly is not leading the NFL in receptions, with 112 or whatever it was, and couldn't even scratch a thousand yards because everything he ran was in three yards of the line of scrimmage, and he goes to Cleveland and suddenly he's averaging 13 and a half yards a catch and over a thousand yards. But you think about guys like Jordan Phillips, who Adam Gase cut because he got tired of uh, a player who was speaking out against not agreeing with his approach. Um, Damian Williams, the running back who's now with the Kansas City Chiefs, Adam Gase told him at the end of the 2017 season, that they were going to bring him back, and then completely ghosted him in the offseason. And I think about Adam, and then I look at the job that he did in New York, and I think about the Kalichi Osemele incident, where he's alienated Kalichi Osemele, and then they asked him, have you talked to Kalichi? And he says, no, Calici hasn't asked to talk to me. Okay, well, you're the head coach of the team. And that was the most common denominator for everything that happened with Adam Gase in Miami, is nothing was ever Adam's fault. Adam had an alibi for everything. He had an excuse for everything. And then you see him go to New York. And now we're in a situation where Jamal Adams is pissed off with the team. No sooner that they fired Mike McCagnin, but he had Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley issues to smooth over because the news came out that he didn't want those players for the prices that they were got signed for by McCagnon. And these are now your star players on both sides of the ball – And they got a problem with you before you've even played a snap. So his teams don't play offensively efficient football. Uh, His teams are very sloppy. You go back and look at Adam's track record for his teams and penalties. They don't do a lot of stuff well. And then you have a guy who I have serious concerns with about his player relations. And I have nothing. I've seen nothing based on some of the drama out of New York, the Caliche Assembly stuff, the Jamal Adams stuff the Le'Veon Bell stuff that gives me an indication that he's changed his stripes in any way there. And I just, I don't feel like this is any different than the experiment that went for three years in Miami. And I was really surprised. I understand that they finished six and two down the back half of the stretch, John, but it was a softer schedule. And uh, they took advantage of beating uh, New York and Washington and Miami was half their wins in the back half of the season. Those three teams each picked in the top five of the draft. And uh, we were talking about, is Adam Gates going to make it to the end of the season in year one? And lo and behold, you know they, they, they get some momentum and beat up on some teams. And I was surprised that, that he seems to have built any kind of momentum.
1: Great answers by our panel. So when we return, our roundtable is going to tell us where they think the Jets fit in the AFC East. We're here on AFC East Crossover week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today we're talking about the New York Jets. The Jets finished 7 and 9 in 2019, but now let's talk about where they will finish in 2020 in the AFC East. So let's start with Mike. Mike, the Patriots have obviously dominated this division. In fact, it's, since 2001, they have there there have only been two seasons that have not ended with the Patriots claiming the AFC East title. And interestingly, Chad Pennington it was the quarterback of both teams that won the AFC East in years New England did not. But Tom Brady was the quarterback for those division titles. Brady is now gone. Where do you think the Jets will finish in the AFC East in 2020? And do you think that they will finish ahead of the New England Patriots?
2: Well, you know, I've taken a little bit of heat for saying that the New England Patriots were about to finish behind the Buffalo Bills in the division this week, and You know, I stand by it. I still believe that at the end of the day, the Bills right now do have enough continuity on both sides of the football, maybe even a little bit greater than what the Patriots are bringing to the table to challenge and maybe even take over that division. That being said, I still believe the Patriots are going to be right in the mix. I'm not being a hater here, John, by any stretch of the imagination, because I am impressed by what uh, level of talent the New York Jets are putting out on the field, both on the offense and the defensive side of the ball. I think they showed signs of that team that was projected to be a possible playoff sleeper a year ago, uh, right around this time when people were projecting about teams that could surprise and raise an eyebrow. But at the same time, I don't see them finishing any higher than either third or maybe even last in the division this time, simply because I believe the talent level and the coaching acumen that the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills are putting out on the field still make them a potent one-two combination. I'm a big believer in Brian Flores maybe even more so than Adam Gaze. And considering what Kyle had to say about Adam in the previous segment, uh, I think it probably is that we're like-minded when it comes to that. And from what I've heard from your assessment of his uh, uh, job, uh, you know, capabilities on locked on jets, I think we're probably in agreement. Uh, Look, Miami is a, uh, is a team right now that is very intriguing to me. They have a roster with a lot of potential. They need to bring it together and they need to gel. There's a lot that would need to happen for me to, to have them, Uh, consider being possibly in that number one or number two spot in the division but i do think from top to bottom they might be the third best team in this division right now so at the same time it wouldn't surprise me to see the jets be able to challenge maybe get that third spot maybe even peck away at a possible playoff uh, you know spot if things roll the right way but a lot would have to roll the right way and my position i don't see the jets in a position to be able to overtake the patriots i don't see them in a position to be able to overtake the buffalo bills i think right now their most likely competition is the dolphins for either third or fourth in the division uh but again time will tell that's why we play games on the field not on paper injuries uh chemistry issues coaching problems things of that nature can all add up uh to difficulties on the field and of course the wild card and all this gentlemen is the COVID-19 pandemic. How is this going to affect certain teams? Um, You know, you never really know for sure how teams are going to be affected by this, and that could really change the complexity of what we see on the field this year. So ultimately, I think the Jets are probably looking at more of the the bottom end of the AFC East rather than the top end, but there's a lot of talent this year, and if for any reason Adam Gaze can harness that and get the most out of Sam Darnold, this is not going to be an easy out any time they take the football field
1: and i think as mike alluded to right now a lot of people like the buffalo bills they were a team that went to the playoffs a year ago seem like they are moving in the right direction as a franchise and that brings me to joe marino and joe you know i think back to week one when the jets had a 16 point lead over buffalo in the third quarter and the bills came back and won that game and i wonder would both teams seasons have gone in different directions had the jets won that game would the jets maybe have had more success was that maybe was that game maybe a launching point for the Bills to have a successful year? Would things maybe have gone a little bit differently if they had not come back to win that game? And now you have a Bills team coming off a playoff run. They have expectations. It's always different when you have expectations. Uh, I think you see it across the league every year. There are teams that snuck up on other teams in the league the year before, but nobody's going to be looking past the Buffalo Bills this year. Both the Jets and the Bills have third-year quarterbacks looking to take the next step. Where do you see the Jets fall in this division? Do you think Sam Darnold can improve enough to put the Jets near the top of this division? Do you think they can get past the Bills? How close do you think these teams are?
3: John, you mentioned that Week One game, and, and I do think you make a good point. You know, if, if things are different, if the Jets don't blow, blow that lead, and and uh, you know, wh- where do the seasons where does the season head from that point forward for each team? And I think I would say more significantly than the loss that the Jets received in that game, in the, in the loss column, it was the injuries to C.J. Mosley and Quinton Williams that were sustained that really you know, were, I thought major blows to that defense and that defense is still able to finish what seventh overall in the league last year under Greg Williams. Uh, but, uh, you know, how much better could it have been with a healthy CJ Mosley and the impact that he made in that game alone. And of course, Quinn and Williams, a highly talented you know, top five pick that, um, you know, his, his injury, his rookie season was derailed very, very quickly. So, you know, those were, those were terrible consequences of of that loss in addition to taking a loss. And, you know, let me let me tell you some things about this this Jets team that I that I think are true. Uh, first of all, I I love I absolutely love the job that Joe Douglas did uh, in his first draft as the Jets general manager. I wrote an article for the DraftNetwork.com on April twenty eighth, and it's titled "Jets Douglas Crushes First Jets uh, First Draft as Jets GM." and I mean, they took a bunch of guys that I just loved in the draft process, and I think not just that the I like the players that they that they took. I like that they played the value components of the draft. You know, going ahead and and getting the offensive lineman Bekei Beckton, at pick number eleven, and then understanding that this was a deep wide receiver year, and and stealing a guy like Denzel Mims in the second round, and then of course I think yeah, I mean I, I I like from top to bottom. I li- I mean even right down to the punter that they drafted. I, I I love every pick that they made, and so I'm very optimistic about. Joe Douglas. And if I want to be optimistic about the jets, I I would bring up that CJ Mosley is healthy and that Quinn and Williams is healthy and that this cornerback situation is markedly better than it was last year. And there has been reinforcements brought to the offensive line. And you know, they, they lose Robbie Anderson, but they add Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims is now part of this receiving core. So I think you can, you can look at this and, and be pretty satisfied with, with some of the gains that they made this off season But I got to be honest, John, where where I draw pessimism is the Adam Gase component of this football team and and that this has all been entrusted to him. And we've seen we saw that. I mean, I'm not going to make this a a direct comparison to the Cleveland Browns last year, but that was a talented football team that was given to the wrong leader in Freddie Kitchens and it underachieved and Baker Mayfield regressed. And so I feel similarly about this Jets team and where. I can get behind this collection of talent and in, in a lot of ways. And I am optimistic about Sam Darnold. And I'll tell you, I bet you locked on bills listeners will tell you that they're very annoyed with me about how, uh, how positively I speak about Sam Darnold and his youth and where he's at at 23 years old and his ceiling moving forward. And that the jets just have not done him any favors in terms of the way they built around him. So I am not, I am not trying to completely, uh, you know, like this team on fire, but I just can't get behind Gase as leading this football team and taking it to the places where it will be matching this talent. We don't even know what world of issues are in store as the season elongates here under Adam Gase. And so my fear that things can potentially bottom out this year with Gase you know, really kind of puts a, a big cloud over my expectations for a football team that I think is much improved and heading in the right direction uh, with, with Joe Douglas. So I think I, I'm predicting the Jets to finish last in the AFC East.
1: And I think that the general consensus among analysts in the NFL is that the top two teams of the AFC East are New England and Buffalo, and the Jets of Miami might be battling it out for third, which brings me to Kyle. The Dolphins, of course, last year kind of just cleaned house. They decided to start fresh, and this offseason they've made a number of additions. They, they were active in free agency. They, of course, brought in... With who they hope will be their new franchise quarterback, Tua Loa. What's your perspective uh, where the Jets finish in this division? Do you think that it's the Jets and the Miami, Miami Dolphins battling it out for third place, and do you think the Dolphins have passed the Jets?
0: I don't know if they've passed the Jets, but I definitely agree with the sentiment that this is a tale of uh, two divisions within the division, with, with Buffalo and New England being the teams that are more ready to win now And, you know, Joe did a great job outlining some of the successes of the Jets' uh, 2020 NFL draft, and I really like a lot of what they did. Uh, But at the same time, you know, I just got done on the last segment ranting about, you know, experiencing the sins of the the Jets' head coach and Adam Gase for myself for several years. And I know Jets fans can sympathize with just how far Miami had to go because they were paying for the sins of one Mike Tannenbaum, who New York Jets fans know all too well about constructing a team and the salary cap management and how grossly mismanaged that was. So when I say Miami had to tear things down completely to the foundation, you know, there there's was a reason why there was this this tanking narrative for the Dolphins and why you were having people on national program and calling for the Uh, competition committee to conduct an investigation against the Dolphins. It's been impressive to see what they've been able to do in a short amount of time in 18 months. Uh, This will be the second consecutive year in which there's 50 plus percent turnover on the roster uh, with the Dolphins signing 11 free agents and bringing in 12 players throughout the weekend of the NFL draft. Uh, Nearly half the the roster right there is going to be brand new bodies and Uh, I don't think it should be overlooked on just how far Miami had to go. And then obviously getting these pieces to gel is the big question. Uh, I really like Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, and and what he's done with this Jets defense. The Jets have the talent, uh, but I do think the coaching is such a big divide between the teams where you saw – Miami kind of got stronger as the year went on. The Jets got stronger as the year went on. But, but from a production standpoint an offense perspective, Sam Darnold needs to make that step. I don't know if Adam Gase is the right person to do that. I don't believe that he is. Uh, but you could flip a coin, I think, based on the, a lot of the unknown that's out there regarding the coronavirus and what the offseason looks like. The Jets have more players that are back. Uh, the, the Dolphins offensively are going to be starting a completely new offensive line, not just an upgraded player here or there, but five new starters, potentially a brand new quarterback, uh, and lots of pieces. So lots of moving parts. So I think it's a coin toss, uh, generally speaking, depending on what could go right or what could go wrong for both teams, potentially finishing third.
1: Great answers across the board. And I guess I'll have the the last word. And I think – uh, Kyle you kind of alluded to this. The Jets and the Dolphins are I don't think either team is built for now. The way the Dolphins uh, have approached the last two years, they're clearly thinking about the long haul and I think that new general manager Joe Douglas, if you look at the offseason moves he made, they were more they they were they were not moves that were what I'd call win now moves. <clears throat> they were moves looking to, I think to build a more solid foundation. And kind of like the Dolphins, the Jets had a long way to go. The Jets have drafted poorly for years. They drafted Mackay Becton in the first round. It was the first time the Jets have used a first-round pick and an offensive lineman since 2006 when they drafted DeBrickishaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold. This is a long-term building job, and I think that's the way Douglas approached it. The Jets did not make the splashy moves to try and improve immediately. So I tend to agree with you guys. I think that there is a way for the Jets to thread the needle and finish near the top of the division and that would probably include New England and Buffalo underachieving not hitting their ceilings but i think more realistically a good season for the Jets might be somewhere around 9 and 7 where maybe they're in the mix for what the final wild card spots anyway thanks to you guys today it was a great show really enjoyed doing it and hope you en- hope you enjoyed listening to it we are three-quarters of the way through AFC East crossover week, and tomorrow, tomorrow Kyle will take the helm as we will discuss the Miami Dolphins here on the Locked On Podcast Network.